0: So Numbers chapter 7, Numbers chapter 7, continuing through the book of Numbers, and I only got 20 minutes. That's why I preach so short, if you guys haven't figured it out, because you can't unload a two-hour sermon because they're just going to turn you off once you get past 10 minutes or 15 minutes. That's just the way the online is. And I'm going to be talking, well, I'll give you my title in a minute. But I'm preaching out of the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 7 verse 1 says, Now it came to pass, when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, notice he was a finisher, that he anointed it and consecrated it and all its furnishings and the altar and all its utensils. So he anointed them and consecrated them. Last week or whenever it was, I showed you about every 12 days, the leader of that tribe made an offering. And we talked about what it was to be a leader real basically. Is every one of these leaders offered themselves of what they had. And then if you go to Numbers 18. uh, Then the Lord said to Aaron. You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity or bear the burden related to the sanctuary. And you and all your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. And I don't know that God had to use prison to shape my son. I don't know that, I mean, he should have done that to me. But he says, you're going to bear something and you're going to carry something. It's going to be you and your sons and you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. And then verse 6 Verse 4 says, they shall be, sorry, go back, I'm sorry, guys. And attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting. This was church in the Old Testament. For all the work of the tabernacle, but an outsider shall not come near you. Six, behold, I myself have taken your brethren. So God is selecting them. God says, I'm choosing this group. I'm choosing the Levites from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you notice that the priest the people anointed in your midst are a gift to you if, never, if you've never thought of your pastor as a gift oh como estorba ese pastor yeah when your child is sick and in the hospital who are you calling alright I'm not mad Behold, I myself have taken your brethren the Levites from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you, given by the Lord to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And Verse 7 says, Therefore you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil. And you shall serve. Notice that, there's not an option. You shall serve. I give your priesthood. To you as a gift for service. In the King James Version, verse 8. and We don't have it on the screen, I got to apologize. Verse 8 says, I have given the Levites to you by reason of the anointing. Anybody have a King James Version Bible? But in the King James, verse 8 says, I have given them to you by reason of the anointing. You don't get a chance and you don't get a choice on who God anoints and who he doesn't. I don't have a choice on who God anoints and who he doesn't. I got to either accept it or reject it. If, if I wouldn't have chosen me, I wouldn't have chosen, I wouldn't have probably not chosen none of you. But just like James says, is that God counts us worthy. And he selects us, and he chooses us, and he puts his spirit upon us. He gives us a shot to demonstrate his glory. He says, I will not show, share my honor with anybody. I'll share my power. And then in Exodus chapter 30, I'm going to teach a little bit. Can I teach a little bit? He says, moreover, I'll read it from the screen. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, and also take for yourself quality spices. In some translations this says expensive or exquisite. 500 shekels, and I've never preached this before. I don't know why. Just, you read it and you forget it. 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet smelling cinnamon. And then he says 250 shekels of sweet smelling cane. And 500 shekels of cassia. According to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hint of olive oil. And you shall make from these, notice this, a holy anointing oil. An ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And with it, notice it, with this oil, you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting, and the ark of the testimony. The table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its utensils, basically all the hardware. God said, I want my oil on it. Everything. The lampstand, that's Jesus, is the light of the world. The bread, the table of showbread, I want my oil on that. I want the oil on the Ark of the Covenant. What's that? It was basically a God box where God's presence hovered over. And inside the God box was several things. And that was the presence of God. And God said, I want everything anointed with oil and the mercy seat. If you read the book of Exodus, it was sprinkled with blood. And not only was the mercy seat sprinkled with blood, it was also the priest who were sprinkled with blood. And it was amazing the ceremonial cleansing that they did is he took a little bit of the oil and the blood and they said he would put it on his right thumb, his right earlobe, his right thumb, and his right hand and his right eye, I think it was. And and he would anoint himself for service. Now, there's a difference between, obviously, the anointing oil, what we use to anoint people with, the sick the hurting, the wounded, and there is a difference between the anointing, the unanointing, and in the Bible, but there's three anointings, the leper's anointing, why would a leper be anointed? You guys know what a leper was, right? They were the outcasts, the rejects, they were the sick people, they were the ones that contracted a disease, and they said, you got to go to a separate camp, and the lepers were ostracized from the assembly or from the congregation. And the lepers had to show themselves to the priest if they thought they had leprosy. And the priest would examine them. But if the priest examined them and they didn't have leprosy, then they would have to go get anointed by the priest. And even Jesus recognized that in the New Testament when a leper came to him. He says, now go show yourself to the priest. And there's the leper's anointing. And then and, and there's also the kingly anointing. The king's anointing. It's, it's an anointing for, for, for authority, for kingship, for ruling and reigning. And then there's also a prophetical anointing. And you know that prophets in the Bible were never selected by men, God always raised up prophets. The kings were selected by men. Uh, a priest, obviously. Moses told, uh, I want you to select Aaron, and I want you to select Miriam, and they were selected by men, but, but priests, or prophets rather, were never selected by men. All of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord would just come upon them, and God would confirm by their word that they were prophets. If that prophet said something that came true, that's why I'm careful when I say, mark my words. So there's... The kingly anointing, then the priestly anointing, and then there's the leper's anointing. And basically, here it is. I'll sum it up. The anointing is poured and put on your life to perform, to perform, not to not to put on a show, not for you know the glamour, but to perform. In other words when you know when, when you've been sick and, and and James has been sick and when he when he prays for people for healing it's because he knows he's received healing and there's a certain anointing that when he prays for people that that way it's released and and when when he, when he speaks about healing it's because God said I'm going to heal you and I'm going to use your hands to heal. The gift of healing that he has received, because a lot of times the gift of healing is not the person that prayed for you, it's the person that's prayed for that receives the gift of healing. But you combine the two and imagine that. See, now the olive oil was to be an exquisite and expensive blend of oil. And I don't have time to go through all of the ingredients, but real quickly, they don't have them on the screen, so write these down. It was myrrh, what is myrrh? Myrrh was submission. It, it stands for submission. And I'll get to this on another message sometime in the future. Cinnamon, it speaks of being upright. Cain or the, uh, uh, the calamus was, was uh, humility. And these are the ingredients for an anointed life. And then there was cassia oil. You know, our, our ancestors, our grandparents used to use this oil for inner cleansing. I guess you would take a shot of it. And then there was olive oil, olive oil. And the anointing indicated and initiated everybody for service. When God said, I choose the Levites from among everybody, I'm selecting them. I'm putting my spirit upon them, and I'm going to bring them, and I'm going to assign them to the duties of the house. I'm going to assign them to carry the burden of the house. I'm going to assign them their portion. You don't worry about your portion. God will give you yours. Everybody carried something, but the priest, he says, I want them to carry the anointed. So consecrate them. Separate them because they belong to me. They belong to me. God is looking for people in this service and in this church to pour out his anointing on. God is looking for open people, willing vessels that he can pour his anointing in, his power, his presence, his peace. God is looking for sons. Now, God never anoints servants. God anoints sons in the house. Now, I know some of us, we serve and we serve and we serve. But God says, I will anoint sons. You and your sons, I will anoint in the house. In Isaiah 11, it says, There shall come forth a rod, the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Notice that, from a little tiny tribe, from somebody out of nowhere. He says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom, this is the, the spirits of God. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. What's might? Might is the, is the Hebrew word El Gibor. Jesus Christ is a mighty warrior. It means champion. El Gibor means a mighty victorious one the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Notice that God says, you're going to be able to identify the one who's anointed. In Isaiah 42, he says, behold my servant, whom I uphold, whom I anoint, whom I lift up. He's talking here, this is, this is a prophetic picture of Jesus. My elect one, my soul delights. I have put my spirit Upon him, what did did God the Father do when Jesus was baptized? The people heard a voice. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Isaiah said, my elect one in whom my soul delights. When people heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son whom I love and I'm well pleased. Then they saw it. They said, that's the anointed one. Some didn't accept him. Some rejected him. And most people who are anointed often are not well-received. How do I know that? Well, let's just look at David. David showed up with a bear one day and said, look what I got. Where'd you get that? And I'm sure he probably looked at his brothers and said, one hunter said this, Ganyon can't tell you. And then he comes back with a lion the next day. And so, where'd you get that? Canyon can't tell you. Tell your neighbor, I can't tell you. David was envied by his brothers. The Bible says the prophet Samuel came in with a hint of oil. And (laughs) the Bible says that he looked at every one of them. He looked at Eliab, and the Lord said, He's not the one. I want to anoint this. He looked at the other brother, he says, I want to anoint that. He's not the one. And then he saw another one and says, surely the Lord has anointed this one. He says, don't put your anointing oil on this. Samuel was old for 6. Everybody walked in, stood before him. And he said, nope, none of you are it. Got any more in the house? Yes, there's one more. But he's out there taking care of sheep. Doing the things that no one else wants to do. But God was out there stirring up in his spirit. God was up there putting lions and bears before him. God was putting them up in a cave all by himself where he was saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leaded me beside still waters. There he was writing a psalm while everybody was out there taking care of the army and doing what they got to do. David was by himself. He was alone saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He anoints my head with oil. Why does he anointing your head with oil? Well, shepherds would anoint the sheep's head with oil because of the bugs of the flies that would get in, in their brains and make them go mad. Isaiah talks about the anointing breaking the yoke of bondage. Many of us were in bondage when Jesus came and he broke the yoke of bondage, whatever it was, whatever your slavery was, he breaks the yoke of bondage. And I've made up my mind that I've come too far. To be offended by people who will not receive. To be offended by people who are not recipients. Who, to be, a, to be a offended by people who are not open to the Holy Spirit. Who are not open to a new move of God. I've come too far to say, you know what? You offended me. See, David was anointed among his brothers. Right there in the presence of his brothers. What was God saying? God was saying, I'm anointing you and I'm setting you aside. You know that David was anointed... Twice, or three times God was saying I'm, I, I'm, I'm setting him aside I want David David's the one I want some of us we need to realize that we need to go where we're celebrated and not tolerated Jesus says you know what these people don't want me I'll go somewhere else he said a prophet is not welcome in his own hometown. So the Bible says he could do no miracles there because they wouldn't accept his anointing. They wouldn't accept the power coming from him. He was just Jesus, the carpenter's son. Yeah, he's just the carpenter's son. Isn't that not Joseph's son? Who was Joseph? Uh, Joseph ain't nobody. I've come too far to stop showing up to church just because of who's preaching. preaching. Or, for that matter, coming to church because of who's preaching. I've come too far to put my eyes on men. And I have 99 reasons not to be in church this morning. But I am because I made a choice to be in the house of God. You have reasons to be out there. But because you made a choice to be in here this morning, God has you here. I have, I have, everybody has a reason not to be in church. I have 99 reasons not to be here, but I'm here. What if I said, I'm not preaching today, so I ain't going to church. Hello. I'm not going to be held back. Some of us don't show up to church because somebody else might be there today. My enemies showed up. I made up my mind that if my enemy showed up to church, I will still be here. I will still lift up my hands. I will still shout. I will still sing. I will still worship God because I'm not worshiping men. See, some people would be here, but they're not. See, you don't have a choice on who God anoints. And if I keep, this is what I wrote down, if I keep denying the gift on some people, yeah, he's not a preacher. He's not an evangelist. He's not a... How many of you guys know there are no boring preachings? There are no boring services. Now, there's some anointed preachers and some that are growing in their anointing. There are some preachers that I've heard and I thought, jaw drop. And then sometimes I've heard them and said, hmm, there are... How many of you guys know There's a difference between a worship leader who worships under the anointing and a worship leader that doesn't worship under the anointing. And God says, I will not put my anointing on flesh. I will not put my anointing on a strange person. I don't want nothing to do with flesh. Basically, people that are full of themselves. I'm not going to put, and that's for me, God says, I'm not going to put my anointing on anybody that's full of flesh. I want consecrated people. I want people who have not only sacrificed, but are willing to lift up one another. That are willing to carry one another. When people are fallen, you pick them up. And God says, I'm looking for people who know how to pick up people. Instead of casting, you know, how many of you guys... I didn't want to go here, but I'm going to go here anyway. How many of you guys have heard, it's part of my message, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. How many of you guys have ever heard people saying, oh, they're just throwing shade? You, you old people do know nothing about that. How about you young people? Yeah, They're throwing shade at people. Maybe you understand this one. Oh, they're shooting darts at one another. You know that in prison they have these darts? Ask for. do you ever get stung with a dart? These inmates make paper darts and they'll spit them at you. And they, they, the, the CO's got to be careful with it because those, they do some nasty stuff to those things and they, those, you can get infected when they shoot darts. You know, people walk around shooting darts. Oh, your grandson did that. Oh, your kids, what? Oh, you did that for your kids. You ever, ever see people shooting darts at one another? Go to Acts chapter 5. I'm almost done. It says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dare join them. But the people esteem them highly. Now you gotta understand that somebody had just died in the service because they robbed the tithe, and people were like, Oh my god, we either we join them or we don't. If we join them, we better be all in, because if not, we might die. Yet none of them dare join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. Verse 15. So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches. Notice this. So that the very least, a shadow of Peter, passing might fall on some of them. Now I've preached out of this sermon, out of this text, many times before. I've gone through this book of acts and i've preached out of the book of acts so many times i have a sermon i called me and my shadow but i was reading it the other day in the king james version and if you continue reading the bible says that the sick were brought to peter and here's the title of my message because i know some of us you know there's a pandemic out there and we don't want to lay hands on people and we don't want to touch people we don't even want to be in church and you see and it's okay we believe in medical science Look at our faith statement on our church website. We don't condemn medical science. If you're vaccinated, vacuna-te. All right, if you want to get vaccinated, vaccinate yourself. That's good. I got the flu shot, and I'm going to get the whooping cough pretty soon because we have a baby coming. And uh, why was I saying? Oh, so we don't condemn medical science, but we do believe in healing. We do believe in laying out of hands. We don't condemn either. But Acts 5.15, the Bible says that at least the shadow of Peter passing by, now you got to see this in the King James Version, because in the King James Version, it says that at least the shadow of Peter would overshadow some of them now now i know some of you guys don't want to get close now we've heard social distancing right we've been we've been practicing social distancing but here's the title of my sermon god said are you willing to shadow distance i can heal you i don't gotta touch you brother i just gotta pass right by you and if my shadow hits you you just might be hit oh don't get too close to me but i'll heal you if i could just pass my shadow on you look at that big old shadow you could be this far away from Peter and you could pass right by him. Some of you guys got it. Let me give you a little illustration here. Maybe Paul might have said, I can't touch you. There's a famine out there. There's a pestilence out there. I can't get near you. But look at this shadow. If you just stand by this shadow, I might heal you. Because the shadow requires light and darkness. Your darkness with the light of God. And then you get a shadow and God says, I will heal you. But what amazes me is the word Shadow, or overshadow, is the word epichiasgo, or epischiazo, epi epischiazo. It's made out of two words, shadow, meaning schiazo, and the word epi. Now, we all know Pentecostal preachers and Pentecostal church members, you know what the word epi is. Jesus said, I will be with you, I will be in you, but there's coming a time where I will be your shadow, I will be upon you. And you don't have to touch people to heal them if your shadow just passes by them. But I wonder if there's any oh, shadow distance Christians, can you at least get involved in a shadow healing service can you just get involved in a shadow service and say we don't got to touch you we'll all wear masks I know this would have made sense about a year ago it doesn't no more because none of you are practicing social distancing but if my shadow can just get past you this is all original this God gave me this I said, Lord, if you're going to take us to the next level, you got to give me something, Lord. I need, I need the tongue of the learned. The Bible says, I have given you the tongue of the learned. So that you may know how to speak a word in season to those who are weary. And he says, not only will I give you the tongue of the learned, I will give you the hearing of the learned. And God said, yes, somebody else say, come on. He says, there is an epi-shadow. There is a shadow that is upon you, and it is the Holy Spirit. And wherever you go, he shadows you. Wherever, it doesn't matter if you walk into a hospital bed, if you walk into a leper, if you walk into a place where everybody's got a mask and they're all, you know, staying away. He says, that's okay, just get under my shadow. Under my shadow. Shadow distancing. How many of you guys know that God can heal you with the shadow? And it's not the shadow. It's the, it's the, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the epi. It's the upon you. They, they call this in some of the commentaries that I read. It says this was a preternatural, extraordinary event where they actually walked by them and this happened. A Peter natural. You guys know what Peter natural is? I didn't even know what it was until I wrote this down. It means extraordinary. It was an extraordinary miracle that they did, and they just said it didn't matter. Now I wonder why they laid all the sick people on the streets. Maybe because maybe they were all lepers. Nobody wanted to touch them. Jesus didn't mind touching them, but Peter said, "Man, those are guys. Those guys got leprosy. Let's uh, let me just get a little bit. Let me, let's let my shadow hit them a little bit. How many of you guys are ready for some shadow, distancing? I want a shadow. I call this the shadow anointing. How many of you guys want a shadow anointing? I know some of us don't want to be touched. Some of us don't want to lay hands on you. But I know that God can use you. He can so anoint you. He can so put something in you that your shadow will bring healing. God don't want no imitations. In the book of Exodus, he says, there's nothing else like the oil. There's, I don't want no imitations. How many of you guys know your girlfriend, your wife does not want a knockoff purse? That's what it is. There's knockoffs, and then there's the real deal. How many of you guys know what a knockoff is? Every one of us do, because we bought one. We couldn't afford the real one. One of the guy's girlfriends, she said, you finally bought your wife a purse. But it's her anniversary. They got a couple pictures. I don't know if you guys want to slide through those. It's Tomorrow, my, my wife and I. Is it tomorrow? It is tomorrow. i tell you what. We weren't... We, we weren't prepared for marriage. We didn't have a direction. We didn't have a clue. And I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. We didn't have a clue where we were going when we got married. Because they got us a hotel at the Marriott on I-40. And I went past I-40 on the big Eye all the way. We went to Las Cruces. Or where did we end up at? Way out there. All I know is I was married. So I put a ring on it. And we went, whoosh, we lost our way. We're supposed to, she turned around, she turned around and she said, are we supposed to be in Albuquerque? I said, yeah, but I think we passed it a long time ago. We didn't even, we pulled over somewhere at some little rink-a-dink hotel and there's a bunch of kids in prom dresses and they're like, did you guys just come out of prom? So no, he's got me lost, I married him. And some guy, some... Some guy said, get used to it. Get used to it. Now now I can't even pass a stop sign because she's, huh? No. You see, you're supposed to cover me. You're supposed to cover me. Now she don't let me get lost. But if I told you, brother, I got the anointing, I got the power. Do you guys mind if I preach a couple more minutes? Okay, I've got the power. I've got the anointing. Oh, brother, I've got it. Come over here. And she was talking about, well, let me go on. Uh. If I said, I got it, you would be like, oh, I want to see it, brother. Oh, but I can't show it to you. Now, I have a basketball, and it's signed by Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and Shaquille O'Neal. Where is it at? You guys have never seen my basketball signed? Now, those signatures, how many of you guys know that those signatures on that basketball are worth a lot? Right I don't have a ball signed by those guys. Did you guys do this right? But I do have a ball, and it's got all the names of the 2016 champs. it's got Space Jams names on there. Just with that one alone, this thing is really valuable. It's got JPs, it's got Uriahs, it's got Elias. Now, this basketball, I wouldn't take it and tell, I don't even care if it was my grandson. Go, out, go outside and take it out and play ball with it, right? If it had those signatures, now, I just lied to you and told you I had it, but I don't. But if I told you I had that basketball, now, this is, I have this up on a wall in our house, right? And it's displayed for no one to touch it. It's set aside. It's, it's sanctified, it's, it's already been played in a championship game, and it's, it's sanctified. It's set aside, and it's got a signature on it. And when God anoints you, he says, I set you aside and I put my signature on it. And you wouldn't take that ball and you wouldn't take that anointed ball. You wouldn't put that and go and take it out into the basketball court. You wouldn't go and kick it. You wouldn't just let it sit outside and get heat. So why would you do that to your own life? Why would you say, here, use me. Here I am. Here I am. And if you're anointed, you've got to protect yourself. And you've got to say, Lord, but your spirit lives in me. And I can't give myself to you because I belong to Jesus. And I know some of us, who said, Lord, I want you to use me. Do you cherish the anointing? Do you cherish the gift? Do you cherish the Holy Spirit? Do you want the anointing of God on your life? Do you want the Holy Spirit to come upon you? Do you desire a new move of God? A new move of God. And I know that our children, you know, they put themselves in dangerous places. But you got to believe, mamas, that you know that from birth, Your child was set aside. Your child was anointed. You prayed for that baby. You know that that Shorty, before that last accident, three other times, he got T-boned. Somebody hit him from behind. And yes, he got a couple of tickets for careless driving. That did not help before the judge. I just got to be honest with you. Slow down. But if you're anointed and God has set you aside, you believe... That, that the devil's going to leave you alone if you're called, if you're anointed, if you're the pastor's kids? you think the devil's going to leave you alone? He's not. He's going to target you. He's going to bring people in your life to pull out the anointing, to draw it out. But mamas, how many of you guys know that... Uh, Jacob was Moses' mother, and the Bible says in Exodus chapter 2 that she could no longer hide him. She could no longer hide that precious little boy, and she knew he was a beautiful, he was a beautiful boy. And the Bible says that so the women conceived and bore a son, and she saw that he was a beautiful child. There was just something about that boy. What was that something? God said, I see an ark in that boy. I see an ark of the covenant in that boy. I see a ministry in that boy. I see a deliverer in that boy. I got to rescue that boy. And the Bible says that when she could no longer hide him, she took a little ark from the bulrushes and she daubed it with asphalt or pitch. She anointed a little ark, a little boat, and she put him in the dangerous waters of the Nile River. And I love that part. The Bible says, and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. I know some of us as parents, we look at our kids and we see them going off. We say, Lord, don't let the enemy take my kids. She knew only for a while she could hide him. You can only hide stuff for a while. And she says, I can't hide him no more. They're gonna, if I keep hiding him, they're going to kill him. So I got to let him go to the Lord. And I know there's a lot of mamas in here, just like Jacobod. You've prayed for your kids and you've anointed your kids and you've seen them go through dangerous places. Maybe they've rejected you or you rejected them, but God says now's the time that I'm about to, everything that you prayed over that baby, I'm about ready to bring it forth. I see an ark in that baby. I see an ark in that baby. So that's why you got to put him in an anointed environment and release him to the Lord because he's chosen them. Are there any Jacobads in here? This morning, you know, as a mom, Jacobad, she gave birth to Moses, the prophet of God, the friend of God. And we don't have time to go into the book of Numbers, but in the book of Numbers, the Bible says that Miriam and Aaron came against Moses. Who are you, Moses? You think God only speaks to you? We came from the same womb. Who do you think you are? And God said, you three, You come over here, and you stand before me. He says, this is a family meeting. Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. He says, you're family. But God says, Moses is my friend. (laughs) Some of you guys think you got family. God says, I'm Moses' friend. Jacobat gave birth to Moses, the prophet of the Lord. The birth to Aaron, the the priest of the Lord, and she gave birth to Miriam, the first uh, a worship leader. We gotta cherish the anointing. We gotta we gotta prize the anointing. Pastor Mike said we gotta pray for our pastors. God says I got my sign on them, and the devil would love to take this out and throw it out and go play ball with it he likes to do dirty tricks with it he like to kick it all around but but you got to protect you got to pray and cover your pastor in prayer cover him in prayer and say lord you put your sign of ownership you put your signature on him you're not valuable because of who you are you're valuable because of the signature that's on you god don't anoint daniel he don't anoint daniel He anoints the second man in Daniel. He anoints the inner man in Daniel. God don't want nothing to do with your flesh. He says, it's the inner man that I cleanse. It's the inner man that I set aside. It's the inner man that I anoint. But when Saul was slain, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, it says, David cried and he said, the beauty of Israel is slain on your high places, Oh how the mighty have fallen." He said, "On the mountains of Gilboa, notice this, he says, "Let there be no dew or rain upon you." He says, "For there the shield of the mighty is cast away." 2 Samuel 1:19. He says, Saul was slain as though he had not been anointed. We ought to grieve, not mock those that are anointed that fall. We ought to grieve. We ought to say, Lord, protect me and watch over me and cover me, Lord God, because I don't want to lose what you have set me aside for. I don't want to lose, Lord God, what you have given me. Lord God, your touch, your favor, you're overshadowing me. Lord, I don't want to lose that. Where I go, you go, and I want you to follow me. We got to protect and cherish the anointing, or the anointing will cease. What scares me? You know, the anointing will cease if we don't steward it. The work of the Holy Spirit and the healing that God can do in a church will cease if we don't cherish it, if we don't protect it, if we don't cover it, if we don't keep it valuable. If we don't say, "I'm not cheap. This is not. This is not a knockoff." We got to cherish it. We got to protect it. We got to look after it. In the book of Deuteronomy, you shall have olive trees in all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil for your fruit shall fall off your fruit shall fall off if you don't cherish the anointing in other words the fruit will be trampled and spilled it won't be put in the press some of us know what it's like to be put in the press stand to your feet